Hello, my name is Professor Ian Williamson, and I have the great privilege of serving as the Dean of the Paul Mirage School of Business at the University of California, Irvine. Welcome to another episode of the Dean's Thought Leaders Series. Today we have with us an expert in the area of health, Mr. Chad Lefteris. Mr. Lefteris is the CEO of the UCI Health System, which means he leads the medical center as well as over a dozen specialty service centers across Southern California. This $2.1 billion, over 460-bed health system has been recognized as one of the leading systems in the United States, most recently being identified as the best healthcare system in the country for treatment of COVID. Prior to coming to UCI Health, Mr. Lefteris was the Chief Operation Officer at the Rex Unice Health System in North Carolina, which had operations across the state of North Carolina. Chad, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. So uh, I have to ask, the last 18 months has been, um, well, we'll say disruptive is the word. Maybe there are other words we can use, but we'll use that one. Uh, and certainly front and center around this has been healthcare. And I would love to get your thoughts as someone who's been leading a healthcare facility throughout this time. Um, how, how do you see this playing out, not just in terms of how we responded, but more importantly, what do you see the future looking like? How has this, these disruptions impacted what you believe healthcare will look like going forward? Yeah, I think that is the right word. Uh, mm. and I think um, some would say that healthcare needed that disruption, mm. certainly not prescribed in this way. Um, but I think there's a lot of positives mm. that have already come out of uh, this global pandemic, um, many of which uh, we're going to not let go to waste, as, yeah. as the saying goes, um, and capitalize on that. And, and really, one that comes to mind is uh, really the speed at which things had to evolve. When yeah. you think about how far we came as a health system, and I don't mean just UCI, but I mean globally, think about the, the rapid progress on vaccines. That alone, just yeah. think about the pace. Use that as an analogy for what we were all living uh, in the healthcare provider spaces from the early days of knowing about this thing that's existed now, known about from our infectious disease experts around the globe, to now coming into our neck of the woods and then how do we prepare a plan uh, and go forward. And so um, the pace of change in mm -hmm. healthcare, I still say we're healthcare fast, yeah. which is slower than most, <laughs> I'll be very clear about that. But I think that pace uh, is welcome. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that we've continued to try and capitalize on um, as we go forward. I think the other thing that comes to mind, we've always been really great with advancing technological um, uh, items as we move forward throughout the care process. Mm. But I think we've lagged as it relates to other industries, as it relates to broader usage of technology in various ways. And so um, I think the opportunity that forced us mm. with the pandemic, just at UCI, and I talked to colleagues across the country, we went from basically, let's say, a few hundred virtual visits with your doctor or care team uh, per week to over 5,000. Wow. Because we had to. And we did that in three weeks' time, back to the pace of change wow. and the speed at which we had to do so. And those are things that should not go away. Mm -hmm. uh, today, m many months later, we're at about 20% of our total volume is still a virtual visit. Wow. Um, and some people will just elect to do that going forward. So we're not going to take that away. We're not going to roll mm -hmm. that back. There's no reason to do so. Uh, so I like to say that that virtual experience is now just another suite of tools that we can offer throughout the amazing caregiving process that we already had in place. And some people may choose that that's easier or faster than fighting maybe a traffic uh, yeah. or whatever it may be. Uh, to have those visits done in that way. And I don't know about you, but I, I haven't been into a bank branch in a long time. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's nothing against the banks. Actually, it's amazing because their portals and telebanking are so strong. We don't call it telebanking anymore. So I look forward, but we don't call this telehealth. Yeah. This is just another visit to your care team. And I think that's here to stay. I mentioned earlier how the healthcare system had been recognized for its mm -hmm. treatment around COVID. And my understanding is that one of the tools that really supported that was the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Indeed. And this is a good example of sort of this technology. And, you know, what was the process around that and sort of this bringing in a very different type of technology that previously probably wasn't, wasn't as common practice in healthcare? Yeah, you know, we are leading the way in that space. Mm. And this was a perfect application. And so if you think traditionally in medicine, we would see a series of patients and then we would go away and write, uh, you know, sort of a manuscript about how we cared for those patients. And then there would be maybe other trials and other, other pathways that would happen around the country. Uh, and then we might get together at a national meeting and talk about the care pathway for that type of very specific patient. And that takes time, sometimes yeah. years, right, yeah. to do that. And then there'll be additional research published. And next thing you know, we're finally now training people to maybe care for that subset of a patient population a little bit differently. And that's been amazingly successful. We didn't have the luxury of the time yeah. to do that. So uh, with our AI engine that we have in place here with our incredible team, we were able to learn from the first COVID patient that came in the door very early on. We were one of the first receivers of COVID patients uh, in Southern California, learn from that patient so that the next patient mm. gets a different course of treatment. And certainly now over 3,000 COVID positive patients have come through our inpatient setting. Guess what that 3,001 patient will have? Yeah. Even a slightly different course of treatment and care process and pathway around them because of what we've learned along the way. To me, in a very simple way, that is the definition of leveraging artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. Changing what we're doing on this patient because of the nuances and things we learned about every patient that went before them. That's the power of that as it relates to healthcare. It's a fantastic blend of the technology with our insights around healthcare. And then I think it's just sort of a, a, a innovative spirit, which is amazing. Correct. So, there's a story about what the last 18 to two years has been from a healthcare perspective, but there's also the story about what this has meant from a leadership perspective. Mm. And I would love to get your thoughts on how this has impacted your perspective on leadership. What have you learned about your personal style of leadership? What will you take from this experience going forward? What insights have it, has it really brought to bear for you? Yeah, that's a wonderful way to phrase that. And I'm not sure I've taken the moment to step back and really think about this because we've been so busy. Yeah. So I really appreciate the opportunity. I, I think, you know, it was interesting. I started as CEO on April Fool's Day last year. Mm. What a cruel joke to start <laughs> on April Fool's Day in the middle yeah. of a global pandemic. Now, fortunately, I'd been here already as the chief operating officer uh, for about a year and a half. And so I felt like that gave me a very quick runway to jump right in. Um, and I think one of the first things that came to mind was we've got to return to the basics urgently. Mm. And I mean, you cannot over-communicate enough. Um, and if you think you are, do it again, yeah. right? And that seems so simple. But in a time of great crisis, mm. I think that is a true north. Um, and we have stuck to that even still today. We're, we're out of the crisis mode. We're not out of the pandemic, but we're out of the crisis mode. Thankfully, in Southern California, we're doing better than most. Mm. Um, but that over-communication has not ended, nor yeah. will it probably ever. It might be another positive that sticks with us. Um, I started very early on a daily email to mm. coworkers, to, to everyone uh, within our family. And um, it was interesting the responses I got. I was sharing things like patient count, mm. not who was in the room, but how many COVID patients did we have? 
how was our supply lines? How were we looking mm. at that time? If you recall, the supply lines were yeah. very challenged, whether you were looking for a glove or a gown or a mask or a face shield. Um, so we started publishing this data daily, yeah. right? Sort of a stoplight report so that you could quickly glance and know how we're doing and where maybe there are strains, being very upfront and honest about that. Um, and I got some feedback from colleagues around the country. How dare you share that? Yeah. In those early days, it was risky, mm. right? But I said, look, we're going to put it out there so that everybody knows that we're on the same page. And so I, I think it was Dr. Uh, Stamos, Michael Stamos, mm. who's the dean of the medical school, said early on in this process, you know, sometimes leading is not just jumping to action. Yeah. And I just, I've saved that. I thought that was wonderful because we took a very steady, methodical approach and not just reacting being guided by science in this. And those are things that we do already, but we've just enhanced as we go forward. And I don't, I don't think that will ever go away yeah. as it relates to the DNA of, of our culture. Uh, so what a 19 months <laughs> it has been. I think yeah. for me, the other piece that I just think about constantly is doubling down on our coworkers and our faculty and supporting them in every possible way that we can. Mm. Of course we did that before, every organization. Yeah. But I think Times like these just remind us of the fragility that exists within yeah. workforce um, and the importance, yet again, over and over again, uh, of this amazing team that we have. And so uh, I, I like to live by the golden rule of treat others the way you want to be treated. And yeah. so um, we, in, we really frame our thinking for our coworkers, our faculty around that. And so making sure that we are setting up systems and processes to make this the best place to work. Yeah. Um, because we need you. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that was another nice reminder, yeah. believe it or not, as we went through this. I think I could talk for hours about the last yeah. 19 months, but I'll, I'll stop there. But that, I mean, I think for me, it's about doubling down yeah. on those resources. I'm just going to use that term, whether it's a coworker, a faculty member, you, everyone in between yeah. to support them throughout the crisis and beyond, right? And I mean, support their whole person, right? It, maybe it's, it's a resource they may need for family. Maybe it's a resource they need for themselves. Not stopping uh, to provide everything that they may need because we need them and their amazing expertise in the healthcare system. You know, I just think it's been so interesting to see how many organizations were reminded quite quickly that ultimately everything that we're doing is tied to the people. Right. And perhaps no sector has been more, has that been more clear than in healthcare. And so I just really... Uh, that resonates a lot, that that was very clearly insight that you took from this experience. So we can talk a lot about the impact of COVID, but one of the things that's made the last year and a half, two years challenging is, of course, there were other things happening in the world in addition to COVID. Right. Uh, and one of them, uh, which you know, captured the attention all around the world, were you know, really, I think, very strong conversations about the role of race, ethnicity, income, uh, discrimination, and, you know, the you know, Black Lives Matter, Me Too movement, a whole host of things that all happened around this time that really brought to bear these issues around inequality. And this is a topic of great importance within healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the spaces where we do see major differences in the treatment outcomes uh, for certain communities. And I would love to get your thoughts on how you think these experiences around race and gender and discrimination and racism and inequality more broadly. What, what, what role will that play in healthcare going forward? Yeah, I think it's foundational, mm. to be quite honest. And, I, and I'm, I'm afraid the pandemic just shined a really bright light on mm. it. Maybe what a lot of us already knew, yeah. either with data or just intuitively, 
Um, and, and we know, and, and based on our own upbringing, I grew up in rural North Carolina. The it's a different set of care options perhaps there than maybe also where you grew up. And, and it's different. And outcomes are also very different because yeah. of that. When we think about vaccine distribution, right? And we've seen that come up in the news a lot about, uh, we did a really wonderful job here, I think, in Orange County. And I say we collectively, all the providers, and certainly UCI was a big part of that. Um, and then we partnered and partnered and partnered again mm. for those more at-risk populations where we had already been serving those patients maybe through various avenues and, and doorways, if you will, that we yeah. have to make sure that we could get more vaccines in arms where there was hesitancy. Mm. Um, and so, boy, did that shine a light on that population. Now, yeah. I feel very confident that as a health system, we have an amazing opportunity here to meet the diverse needs of our very diverse regions. Yes. Um, and I, that's one of the things that really appealed to me about this opportunity to, to come to UCI Health in the first place. This is a very diverse county, 3.3 yeah. million people. And so one of the things that we talk about a lot is, are we, how are we doing within our workforce with 8,000 coworkers and faculty members? How are we doing to, I would say, match up to our community? Yeah. Uh, and then how are we doing that within the leadership ranks? Right. Mm. Um, and we've got work to do there. But I do think this is not one person's job. Um, I, I, nothing against organizations that hire a, a person to put them in this lead. This is too important for me to delegate. Mm. Like, I, I want to help own this. Um, and so I think this is truly the bedrock of the work that we do is to create a true sense of belonging. Mm. I don't care if that's for the coworker, the patient, the visitor. You name it, anybody that gets to pass through our incredible organization, no matter where you may be, mm. at the main medical center flagship up in Orange, this new campus we're going to build here in Irvine, or one of our outlying sites you know, throughout the county, we want to foster that true sense of belonging and comfort when you come in the door. Mm. And so that's a treadmill you never get off of, in my opinion. Yeah. This is not something you work and you stop. Um, and so to that end, I recently formed uh, a diversity, equity, inclusivity council that I co-chair. Mm. Um, it's that important that I want it to come out of my hands in my office with an incredible physician leader. Um, and we're taking applications now for other colleagues across our enterprise to apply yeah. uh, to be a part of this. Uh, we're going to set it up in a neat way with rotating like one year, two year terms. So we're always having you know, new people on board. And this is not just for leaders. We want a true diverse group yeah. within the organization ranks uh, as well to join us really around education, uh, awareness, and fostering that real sense of belonging. And so, again, I, I, I have future ideas, yeah. but this is so important. I mean, bedrock, cornerstone, those are the words that come to mind. Uh, luckily, I inherited a tremendous opportunity, and I feel like now I just get to make it even stronger as we go forward. But you're exactly right. What a huge opportunity, yeah. especially for an organization like us. We are in the service business. We are here to serve this community. And how better to do that than to make sure that we're upholding our end of the bargain as it relates to this topic. And so I feel like we've come a long way, but we're not going to stop there. Yeah. Thank you very much, Chad. So you're someone who has an interesting background in the sense that you have a business education. Yes. But you've also had your career in health and have taken on major leadership roles in different parts of the country. So for those students, perhaps, that are listening or individuals that are preparing themselves for their next leadership journey, what advice would you have in terms of how individuals should be preparing themselves for leadership, not just today, but five years from now, 10 years from now, the types of things that you see on the horizon that leaders are facing, how would you encourage or advise individuals to prepare themselves for those opportunities and challenges? Yeah, great, great point. I, you know, I, I would say that 
it, it is interesting, right? I'm a business trained. I'm a college of business undergraduate that was focused in healthcare management, pretty mm -hmm. unheard of at the time when I did that. Um, uh, and then um, I have a master's in healthcare administration. At that time, it was kind of known as an MBA for healthcare. Yeah. There are other far better programs now, I'm sure. Um, so I have been so fortunate to be surrounded by clinicians mm. um, with me, around me, above me, and below me, you know, everywhere in the org chart that's allowed me to thrive um, and to work collaboratively with the clinical experts. Mm. And so maybe the learning uh, as a student or anyone is to um, find places where you can insert okay. throughout your training. For me, it was, I did, well, four different internships through undergrad and graduate school. Um, and three of those were unpaid, by the way. I'll never forget those moments. Um, Investment for future you self. You got it. I wouldn't trade it for a minute. There you go. The experience, the exposure, the, the ability to find a way to plug in, as mm -hmm. I mentioned, as the person who may have only had this background versus partnering with somebody who had a completely different background. And then together, the power in that. I remember those moments, yeah. even in undergrad, doing an early internship. Um, and I think, not to say just internships is that, because there's so many other ways to do that. But I, I, I am a product of, of coming through some required internship yeah. type experiences, and then others I sought out on my own. Yeah. Um, and I feel very fortunate to the leaders that brought me in under their wings, um, uh, who remained, all of them, uh, all four, personal friends and mentors as we progressed uh, together. and now many of them into retirement, which makes me feel a little old. Um, but they've remained incredible, steadfast leaders uh, within their community and still mentoring me. Uh, and I learned so much from them uh, at that moment, way back in time and even still today. So you get to build these relationships. Yeah. The other thing I would say I wish I learned more about in school yeah. would be negotiation skills. Mm. Uh, in fact, my graduate program now offers a class in that because yeah. I harped on it so much. Um, and I think crisis management, thinking about what we've been through over yeah. the last 19 months, learning more about how to operate within that space, right, yeah. would be wonderful. Trial by fire is what I've experienced, um, and I've had a lot of experience in managing those sorts of crises, not this duration, of course, yeah. um, but you learn from each one of those events. And so finding opportunities to learn when things like that are occurring uh, would be a huge win as yeah. well. Uh, because you're writing a new book each time you kind of go through those types of events. So in our, in our case, we, to your point earlier about our results, we've responded incredibly well. Our outcomes are outstanding. Um, and it's a large part because we were able to remain very, very focused on our patients that were coming in the door, even in light of everything else that was yeah. going on. And so the final thing I'll say is keeping that laser focus, yeah. figuring out how you, whether it's you alone, you and your team, whatever it may be, can keep that laser focus is so powerful and so important. Yeah. So I'm sure there's opportunities to do that within their training and other things. Yeah. But those are the things that pop into my mind about leveraging the experience that we've had and the opportunity we've been given. Um, that's uh, hopefully made me a little bit better leader as yeah. I sit here today. Thank you very much, Chad, for sharing the insight. Thank you very much just for the leadership you and your team have provided Orange County, Southern California. Uh, even the nation uh, over the last year and a half. It, it has obviously made a difference in the lives of thousands and uh, truly has saved lives. So we really appreciate it. And we know that, you know, you were at the front and center of all the turmoil, but uh, the leadership you provided made a big difference. So thank you very much. And thank you for taking the time to, to join me today. Thank you. It is a real privilege to be here with you, as I said. And, and I must say that we 
are stronger today mm. uh, than we were going into this. And that's a pretty unique place to be. Yeah. Um, and I give all the credit to our amazing coworkers and our faculty members uh, because they're the ones that have done it. So it's a real pleasure. Thank you very, very much. Our honor. Thank you. Thank you.